What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Or the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40, to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that 62-yard field goal attempt. It is good. Let's go. Eagles. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 40. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Salty Dogs podcast, America's favorite podcast. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Jeff, I, if I had to write last week a story... Uh, detailing what we needed to keep our playoff hopes alive. Yes, which was a huge exaggeration. Yes, then I can exaggerate about the uh, popularity of our podcast. That's right. <laughs> Prove that it's not. Yes. That's <laughs> what I say. Prove me wrong. They do have numbers for these things. By the way, he's Scott Smith. I'm Jeff Ryan. I keep forgetting that part. I know. Well, you you become so well known since you do so uh, many uh, stuff on Bucks.com. Yeah. You know, it's the um, recognizable voice now, huh? Bucks Insider Live. Stuff on the yeah, video boards. Video boards, doing stuff, game day on the uh, – you're just a popular guy. Oh, thanks, man. You're welcome. And hey, he's Jeff Ryan. I am. I'm here. Ready to rock so and roll. So we are winners of three in a row, the um, Buccaneers are. Just to- I got to tell you, I am just now recouping from Sunday's game. Because it was so crazy and Cause wild? Because it was so emotional. Yes. It was definitely up and down. It. I never swore so much and never cheered so much <laughs> all in the same game. I was. Just, I had that, oh, God, here we go feeling when – James's first pass was picked off. Well, I actually felt pretty good about that because I said I, I hit the time. Yeah, I hit the all call button. I said, "Well, that's out of the way. Let's start playing." <laughs> well, it was. You, you did hope it would be more like the Atlanta game where he had two picks really early and then was great the rest of the way. And it kind of was that way, yeah, except for the other pick six that was problematic. But I, I give him get a get out of jail card on that one because he marched right down the field and scored. That's right. So and he that was important. Yes. And that was very important. And once again, and then also at the. In the fourth quarter, um, once again, this team is really, really good in two-minute situations. They've been doing it all year. We lead the league in points in the final two minutes of both halves. And and what I like even more is is defensively. There's They're finally shutting it down, right? Really good improvement, and, and that's where you're seeing it. Because if you look back at games we lost, it was like in the last five minutes in the fourth quarter. Would you agree with me that had this been like 2017 and 2018 and we scored and they still had four minutes to go, You'd have been really, really worried that we weren't going to be able to hold it. Yeah, and maybe pretty much so. And maybe parts of this year too. In but I will. Yeah, in the beginning, it proved to. You're going to have to take my word for it. But when that happened this time, there were four minutes left, and I felt pretty good that we were going to stop them. I, I I thought we were going to stop. I them. thought as long as we were within striking uh, one score, uh, it, we would get it done with time on the clock. No yeah, matter, but I, I'm even I'm, at a two minute warning. I would have thought right. we would have been fine. Oh, you're saying if they had scored again, I, then we would have scored again. I just felt, I just felt that. But I didn't want to have to go through that. Oh no, anything could happen. No, we almost did. Five hundred and forty-two <laughs> yards of <laughs> no, offense, crazy. I think. Jameis had his career high four fifty-six. Those are both third highest in team history. It was a weird one because it it didn't feel like that. All of a sudden, you look up and he's like like three hundred ninety yards. And you're like. What? How did we get to 390 yards? But we had like six guys with 48 or more yards, Yeah, which is really weird. It, it's crazy. Uh, his mental fortitude is pretty strong. I, 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 I mean, say what you want. And, and you know, and you people can, will. Oh, and they will. And that's great. And that's what makes sports great. But I, it, you talk about someone who has amnesia. Wow. Just unbelievable how he forgets and just go and not afraid to keep making, not afraid to keep going. And you and I both have seen. Bruce Arians yeah, said Bruce Arians has been around a lot of quarterbacks, some really good ones, obviously, but a lot in total. And he said some guys, if that happened to them, or they were part of, you know, the, especially the pick six, they would that would be it. They would be done. They would shut down from there. They just would not be able to have the fortitude, as you said. But, yeah, I mean, you don't want him to make those plays. Mm-hmm. But you do like the fact that even if that happens, you have a little bit of confidence that, well, He'll just get right back in there. You know, oh, that, that's kind of where I am now. I'm kind of like, that's the game. Well, and he also came back in after hurting his right thumb. That was crazy at the half. Yeah. That was crazy. It was weird because I think he came out, but then couldn't grip the ball. Like Bruce said, he would he was walking up and knocking the ball out of his yeah. hand. And if he, if he could knock the ball out of his hand, he wasn't going to put him out there. Yeah. So he goes back in to get an x-ray. They find a 
teeny tiny fracture or itty bitty or something. Uh, coach used some phrase like that. And then uh, I guess he gradually regained the strength there because when he came back out, he could throw. And he threw great after that. You couldn't tell, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, Bruce Arian said that they were shaking hands going out to the that's right. exit. And, and that's what happened to us because we looked down and all of a sudden I – I hit the all call going, it's Ryan Griffin in there. The Ryan Griffin debut. Uh, yeah, what is going on? <laughs> but but we did give uh, Ryan some props because he knew where his check down guy was. <laughs> and for someone first going in, and he's been in the league six years, but this is his real live, you know, an first official time. NFL start. Well, uh, and, he, and he did hit the, or, or play, I shouldn't say start. Yeah. Um, he did hit the check down, which was, which was <laughs> no, that's good because most guys, they don't know where that is. Yeah, well, I would think he knows what's going on. He's logged a lot of practice mm-hmm. and preseason mm-hmm. hours. So, it, I thought after all these years that it was going to be like some kind of incredible thing when, when Ryan Griffin finally got to go into a game and throw a pass in the regular season. But it was just kind of, okay, well, yeah. that happened yeah. now. Yeah. That happened now. Well, in this day and age, nothing gives anybody a big wow sensation anymore unless it's a cat <laughs> okay, or something. you really took that in the direction i wasn't expecting unless it was a cat yeah for some reason cat videos are really big i'm not a big fat <laughs> cat fan but i'm just saying it's where we're reduced down to so, oh look a shiny penny so ryan griffin getting his first chance to play isn't exciting but a it cat is for video him. on the internet well, I, I bet you if you put ryan griffin start <laughs> and are playing and a cat video cat video wins well every yes time. yes but uh, i think we're talking about the let's say let's have an audience here let's let's decide what kind of audience we're talking about here pretty much just general public <laughs> I'm, well no i mean in terms of ryan griffin there are people who have been waiting for him to get a shot and he didn't really get a shot no. he threw four passes that right. that does not constitute but he was shot. ready he was ready to go so well we're we're doing this on tuesday and we don't know yet about Jameis because he was going to see a hand specialist on monday uh i know he'll do everything he can to be out there oh, yeah, he's tough um so hopefully James will still be there, but who knows? Maybe we are closing in on the first Ryan Griffin start, and you'll have the Ryan Gr- Griffin-David Blau you know, matchup in for you know Detroit. You know you're making Twitter world go crazy right now. Well, not right now because we're recording it right now, and they can't hear when it they, yet. But they don't know it, but when they hear it, which Wh- would be right which now. Part? When you said, "Oh, that, they'll already know." Well, no, they won't know. You'll be saying it, and then it's going to be Scott Smith, Buck Insider says Ryan Griffin gets the start. I didn't next say week that in though. Detroit. You don't have to say it. You implied <laughs> it. <laughs> going to stir the pot today. I, if I were betting man, I bet Jameis will be. I'm out just going to say to BA, it wasn't me, BA. It was Scott <laughs> talking that way. I don't think we're going to have Mike Evans though. No, no, that one geez. looks that one looked like not just a little tweak. I think he'll be out at least this week. Yeah, it, I think yeah. There's. Uh, Dave Moore was talking about hamstrings, and he goes, there's a 7-day, a 14-day, and a 21-day. And, and the you, way he was limping, it looked like yeah, not a 7-day not, one. Not a 7-day one, no. Who knows? Who knows? Apparently, Bruce said he came back from something similar pretty quickly in the spring. He's so, a fast healer, yes. Uh, wow, that's, that's unfortunate. Pl- but here's the good news. I mean... It's never good when you get injured. But if you're going to get injured, at least he caught the ball, scored the touchdown. Yeah. At least it wasn't in vain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for the bright side. Well, it, no. I mean, if you're going to get hurt, go out on a 61-yard touchdown. And I'll tell you who's really ex- happy that he did that. Fantasy football players all over the country. <laughs> and they're also very unhappy that their star receiver is not going to be available for what will be the semis in most leagues this week. Mm. Yeah, Jeff always gets excited wow, when playing fantasy geez. football. So, from both a fantasy standpoint and a real standpoint, I, what does that do for Chris Godwin? I don't know because he's going to get double teamed. and, and It's, we it's are going actually, to be harder, isn't we're, it? We're, uh, uh, actually, are a little light in the, in the receiver A little category. light. As of now, as of we're talking on Tuesday, we're very light. You see Philadelphia went into their Monday night game with only three healthy receivers. And yeah, then, and practice then Al- squad guys got bumped up. Well, they only had three active, and then Alshon Jeffrey got hurt, so they're playing the whole game with two receivers, and that doesn't really fly in today's NFL. I know no. they pulled out the win, but you use so many three-receiver sets, and you can't bump a guy up in the middle of a game. But the positive side for the Buccaneers is that you do have a couple of really good tight ends. That uh, Yeah. And, and O.J. Howard, sometimes you think he could be a wide receiver. Well, that's true. But I still think um, with we don't know right now if Scotty Miller is going to make it back from his hamstring. So at best, that's a question mark. You and I, because coaches said that Mike is doubtful. If he's saying that on Monday, yeah, you can pretty much guess he's not going to play. So you're down to three now, and that includes Justin Watson, who had a great game, and he's going to be on our show today, and we're yeah. looking forward to talking yes. to him. But that is a guy that had, I think, three career receptions before that game. So um, you got one pretty inexperienced guy in terms of 
playing on offense. He plays a lot on special teams the last two years. And although he would say, I'm getting sidetracked here, he would point out that he has caught a ton of passes from Jameis Winston in practices through the last two years. And that's a good point. Um, Valid. Yeah, and then you got Prashad Perryman who's coming on strong at the end, but that's still only three guys. We have a guy on the practice squad named Ishmael Hyman. Maybe he gets bumped up because I just don't think you can go the week with going to that game with only three guys. No, I think it would be a little dangerous. Now, maybe Scotty Miller recovers. And whether he plays or not, you need to have a guy up yeah, to be I think ready. So. so, yeah. I would think if it's not him, it's somebody. i got to imagine. And, and it will be an easy transaction. It doesn't mean that Mike Evans has to go to injury reserve because we have T.J. Logan, who we know his season's done because of the broken thumb. Uh, but he has not been put on injured reserve as of the time we're recording this right now. So there's a pretty easy way to open up a, a spot on the Talk about a roster. freak accident, huh? Our freak <laughs> thing. You know, it's like, how do you break? He's your punt returner. Oh, and he has a broken thumb. That's a shame. How do you break his thumb? Uh, practice. Catching a punt. <laughs> yeah, in practice. <laughs> in, on Friday. Just saying. Uh, near the end of the end, it's just like, oh, there it is. I mean, you've you've jammed a finger or a yes. thumb on a ball before, right? So yeah. it can happen to anybody, but, you know, he, it's not like he can not practice the one thing that we're using it yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hey, the there's fun. another thing that Justin Watson did well. I think Coach Arians was really appreciative of the job that Watson did on punt returns because that happened on Friday. Mm-hmm. So, all of a sudden, hey, first of all, it was only a few weeks ago that Justin Watson started fielding punts on the practice field because our depth chart had been T.J. Logan, Scotty Miller, and Vernon Hargraves, and Hargraves was gone and Scotty was out with the uh, – hamstring so you had to have somebody ready in case something happened to tj logan which it did and so now two days later you're like hey you're gonna have to be our punt returner live bullets unbelievable guy screaming down at you i mean not, it's not like i think he's afraid but uh he fielded the ball very well the numbers don't look great because he's two returns for three yards right but he never had any difficulty fielding five punts he had three fair catches and coach really liked the way on that first one he the the kick was kind of short so he couldn't run up and catch it but he positioned himself so that it was going to bounce, and if it took a nice bounce, you can grab it and go. Because that's pretty easy to do. You, but you got to make a good decision there, because if that yep. thing takes a weird bounce, just get away from it, right? But you save – he got seven yards in return, but it was probably more like a 20-yard net, because if he lets it bounce past him, it bounces 10 or 15 yards behind him, right? Yeah. So it was a, it was a play that Bruce really appreciated. And, I, and I'm really happy for him, too. He'd been toiling well, one of our top tacklers the last two years on special teams, but this is another job for him, and he, he handled it well. So we're looking forward to talking to him about all that here in a few minutes. Yeah, and his first touchdown catch. <laughs> yeah, it was a big day, <laughs> right? 17 to 17. 17, 17 yards to 17. Yeah, but didn't I put that in a tweet? You did. That That's, I, we used it, yes. Uh, absolutely. Justin Watson is number 17, and, and his first touchdown catch was a 17 You yard. know, for those, for those around the world who are listening to this, and, and for whatever reason, on game day, they can't get everything. They really should follow you during game day. Well, thank you. You get out some really great information. Uh, on an Scott ins- S. Bucks. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, on a side note, I use it because I know it's actually real because <laughs> <laughs> someone else tweets something out. You're not sure if it's right. real or not. Verified but, information is what you're saying. Yes. And, but but I will say that it, it, it is a great way to follow the game, what's going on. Yeah. A little tidbits, the uh, game inside the game, I should say. Yeah, when so. we have milestones and things like mm-hmm. that. Or if, or if there's a person who's playing a different position all of a sudden, it's like, oh, hey, now all of a sudden we're using Mike Edwards in the slot or something how about like How about Donovan Smith? The Iron Man? Yeah. That's another injury concern this week. Very much so. He's started 77 games in a row since we drafted him, which is a buck record. No. Paul Gruber had 80. But he's getting he's he's about to match Paul match, Gruber. Yeah. Uh, Paul Gruber's streak ended because he there was a brief holdout at the start of his sixth year, which was the first year of free agency. Yeah, I think. He almost got traded to the Oakland Raiders. Did I didn't remember that, that part, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. But they found a way to get it back after, I think, five games because until then he had never missed a single offensive snap yeah. in his first five seasons. Wow. We're talking about Ring of Honor Paul Gruber. Remember, Paul Gruber uh, generally considered the best offensive lineman mm-hmm. in team history. And one of the nicest guys Obviously, you ever want yeah. to know. Now, he, Donovan has been similar in that you draft him. Now, Paul Gruber, I think, was a fourth overall pick. Uh, Donovan was high in the second round. Uh, but I know that there's some differences of opinion on, out there about where Donovan Smith ranks among, among the league's left tackles. But I know we've always liked him, valued him. Very and one so. of the things you can't argue with is one of the biggest abilities is availability. And he he's there. He's never missed a start yet. And he has almost never missed any snaps. He hadn't missed any until he came out for five in that game and then went back in. And you noticed that he wasn't in there. Yeah, you could, you could tell it, it made there. a difference I, because so, everybody had to make adjustments. 
Yeah, so it was uh, – you kind of see his value in situations like that. And so I hope he's okay. He's got knee and ankle injuries. Yeah, we're getting that time of year where everybody's banged up. and But, yeah. but now you're also – Getting into that time of year that you got to check your guys because there's three games left. You're still trying to win games, mm-hmm. but you also want to make sure your guys are going to be okay. So, yeah, you don't want to put anybody at any risk, but uh, this is also the time of year that when you get an injury that might not have been seemed as significant a month or two ago, it could hit you, land you on IR because if you're going to, if there's two games left, you're going to miss two, yeah, might as well put them on IR. I did like, I did like BA saying during his radio show, <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, you know, what are you going to do for the, these next three games? And he goes, we're going to win them. He says, it's not like we're in a situation where we got to look at the young guys playing. The young guys are playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, I mean, who could you put in at this point? That's no, what, really, honestly, is there anybody? No, and that's when he said it. It made me laugh. I mean, if Anthony Nelson could come back from his hamstring injury, maybe play him a little bit. But Scotty Miller, when he comes back, yeah. we're playing all the draft picks otherwise. that's what Because usually if you're in this situation, you're taking yeah. a look at people. and Your uh, backup quarterback is probably actually older than your, than your starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Think about that. So, um, yeah. Do you think we just now nobody had a conversation in a hotel room in San Diego, but do you think this last game could be this current regime San Diego game? I, I think I what I liked is um, actually, if you go back to um, let's see, we were in all these road trips are running together. So this is scintillating. So we, right well, wait a minute. No, we were in Jacksonville after the game in Jacksonville. Right. Devin White made a comment that in his college career, he did not lose two games in a row. Yeah. He's not used to losing. I mean, you go to one of the big programs, that can happen. But he, his, his line was, I don't want to lose. We don't want to lose. Right. So a lot of things could be clicking at the same time. Is that the moment? I think it's a great, it's a great teaching tool where – it's a 60-minute ball game. No matter what happens, just keep playing. They proved that. Yeah. They didn't fold. And we've seen that before. Yeah. Teams just go well, by the wayside. So this three-game streak, you got you got the first one in Atlanta, which I think we thought was like maybe one of our more um, complete games because the offense was good. Very much so. And pretty productive. After the first two interceptions, they were pretty efficient. The defense, that's when the secondary appeared to turn it around. Kicking game was good. Then the Jacksonville game was more like – well, for one thing, we pulled out early and, and held the lead, and the defense was really as good as it's been. So that was encouraging. But this one right now, I think – well, Bruce said it. He said this is he likes this one the best out of those three because it showed the resiliency of the team. I agree. And what I wonder – and then he was asked, is this game going to be something that's like a – I don't have the exact words, but building block or cornerstone type of game. Like, And, and I was just re- comparing it to – the famous San Diego game in 96 and Dungy's first year. Right. Which, in retrospect, everybody believes was kind of like the turning point where everybody believed. Well, you could call it the turning point because as time went on, you could put your finger on it when the Right, so turned. we won't be able to say now. Right, but I, I think it's headed in the, in the right direction. Yeah, he said he felt this was a huge game for this team. Yeah. And he compared it to, to one where he could do what you just said, where he could look back and, and say that was the moment, and that was – in Arizona, I mean, in Arizona, his first year as a head coach in 2013, they I, had a good year. They uh, finished strong, and then they were going up to Seattle, who that year would go on to win the Super Bowl and was 12 and two at the time, and they beat them in Seattle, and uh, and then they were really good the next two years. And uh, and Bruce says we looked back at that one as saying that's when we knew that this was going to go the right way because they went toe to toe with a great Seattle team and won in Seattle. Now. Indianapolis here isn't as prodigious of an opponent as that. But, as then, but the way the game went is what Bruce meant. It, it felt like they believe. I I don't think I don't think I've ever experienced a game like that. I mean, it was a perfect weather, perfect day, and every I think every emotion you you had you went through in that three hours and twenty minutes of. Uh, really controlled chaos because it was it was kind of crazy. It was the first time we'd won a game when at any point being down by 10 or more since 2016. Wow. And we did it twice in that game because we <laughs> rallied from down 10 and then and then found ourselves down 14 again and rallied again. That's resiliency. It, it, you know, it, I, I looked at it from the Colt side. You have 
four turnovers in your favor, yeah, you're going to win that. You're going to win. You're going to win. One of them returned for a touchdown. Yeah, you're going to win that game. <laughs> you know what? It's the opposite of Jeff. Do you remember last year? I think it was last year when we had 500 and something yards against Washington, but only scored three points. <laughs> yeah, you can't do <laughs> because, that <laughs> because we just demolished. We yeah. just twenty destructed in the in the in red, the red zone, zone every, every yeah. time. Uh, this one we had 542 yards, but it did translate to points. And part of that is we've been really good in the red zone. So that's how you you overcome a four to one turnover deficit. You just have to just pour it on. Yeah, just offensively. go. I, and also, real quick, there's been a number of times in the last three games when our defense has been forced into a sudden change, and they either held them to a field goal or no points at all. And that happened again, right? Because we got the we got the interception or the fumble recovery. Yay, we're yeah. in great shape. Immediately throw the pick right back. But uh, they're at the twenty five. The defense pushes them back three yards. They try a field goal. And it hits the upright. I mean, they they held strong. They didn't give up a touchdown right then, and that set the stage for the comeback. Um, yeah, I was, that, that poor kid. He he all he was with San Francisco. Chase when, McLaughlin. Yeah, he was with San Francisco when they played Seattle, and he kicks a field goal to get him into overtime. And then they move him down, and he goes to kick in overtime, and he misses, and San Francisco loses Yikes. that game. So then he gets cut because they brought back yeah, Robbie, Robbie Gould. Gould got yeah, Robbie Gould got yeah. back, and uh, he's kind of bounced all around. It's a really interesting story. But He is uh, a rookie. He is a rookie. Uh, and he, he'll have the job for the rest of the year in Indy because Adam Vinatieri is getting shut down. Yeah, so – but, you know Adam Vinatieri has played in 365 NFL games. <laughs> That's insane, man. The only guy with more is Morton Anderson. Really? And he's in the Hall of Fame. You know who the number one guy on that list is who is not in any way a uh, a kicker? Like George Blanda did several things but yep. was someone He was a, a quarterbacker. A quarterbacker. <laughs> he was a kicker. He was a quarterback. So who's, who's and then played he was the most kicker. games had, who had nothing to do with kicking? Who played the most games with nothing to do? In NFL history. I don't know. Otto Graham? Quarterback? Ah, hey, I like it. You picked a Northwestern guy. Yeah. He was even in the same fraternity as me. Really? Yeah. They let anybody in, huh? We 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 are two of the most prominent. Really? No. There's Otto, and then there's you. <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody else that would. Go I don't well know who. Me. I would think a quarter. Who? Uh, you would think a quarterback, like somebody who played a lot, like yeah. Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. You think it's Brett Favre? It's not Brett Favre, no. but he's close. Okay. It's a wide receiver. I have no idea. There's there's so many. Who's the best? That's a uh, debatable. Okay. Who do you, who would you throw? To? You think Tio's the best receiver? Well, he's pretty darn. He was pretty good. Come on, you're forgetting the obvious because this is a guy. Would everybody... it be like Jerry Rice? Yes. Come on, there's a there's a debate about who's the best quarterback <laughs> of all time, but there's been very little debate about the best receiver of all time. Really? Well, the yeah. reason why I think of To was uh, he was at the game. Did you? Know That's that? true. Yeah. Did I know it? I saw him several times. He was with an NFL Films crew. Had to do with the NFL 100 stuff, right? He was actually here at, at One Buck on Friday as well. Uh, yeah, there were some moments there with To and Mike on the sideline and all that. Yep, T.O. should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. They made him wait a couple of years. That's how they are. So, uh, But all in all, um, nice uh, four out of five games uh, have won. I think uh, you'd feel better about that if, if things didn't look so shaky during the Saints game. I think that that, yeah. that that kind of like that was a blip. Yeah. yeah, that didn't look good, but they responded. But I do well like to that. I do like the direction the team's headed. Now the question is, can you go on the road and do it again? I mean, you you should go up there. If you look at everything, you should beat the Lions. They're three and a half point favorites on the road. That that generally means you're expected to win, right? Pretty easily. But the Lions have been playing really quirky football. They've lost six in a row, which has a lot to do with Matt Stafford being out for five games. Mm-hmm. They've had a bunch of injuries, but they got some talented players. Very Kenny much. Galladay, yep. he's, yeah. a, he's a tough. I mean, their their trio is of receivers is Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, and, and Danny Amendola. That's pretty good. That's going to be a test for our mm-hmm. secondary. What you hope, of course, is that uh, you put pressure on the the rookie. I think his last name is pronounced Blau. Yep, so I believe Blau. Right. Uh, they got him in a. He's an undrafted rookie from Purdue, I think. Mm-hmm. They actually traded for him on August thirtieth from Cleveland, so he had um, not that long of a trip. To Detroit, and um, I mean, I lost my train of thought. He was going to be their third quarterback at the time because they had Stafford, obviously, and Jeff Driscoll. Um, but then Stafford got hurt, and then Driscoll got hurt. So he gets a shot, does well on Thanksgiving, didn't win, but did well. And then last this last game, apparently, he was a lot. Yeah, his first lot pass shakier. was a touchdown. Yeah, to Kenny, to Kenny Galladay. <laughs> this last week, he was apparently quite a bit shakier. So what you really need is for your pass rush 
if your pass rush gets after him, or, and listen, usually the first step in that is you say, okay, you stop the run, so they have to pass. You make it one-dimensional. Well, we always do that. We did it again this past week. You can pretty much count on us probably stopping, and Detroit has not had a good running game, and they've had a ton of injuries in their running backs. So you can probably count on us stopping the run. At that point, can we get after the quarterback? And if we can, I think it'll be very hard for Detroit to, to beat us. Yeah, but – you got to go up there, but it doesn't necessarily play. happen. No, you got to go up and play the game, and that's and I think that's uh, it's going to be fun to watch and see how the coaching staff keeps everybody motivated and going. You know, the playoffs are out of the picture; they know that. But that being said, you are you are being basically you're looking at tape for your job. Yeah, that's you know? true. And maybe what what we should do is think of this as going up there to get some revenge on the Lions because if they had beaten Minnesota, we wouldn't yeah. be eliminated. Sure, so beat them again just for not just, beating Just for you. I like that. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's their fault. We got. To, it's not our fault that we missed a kick at the end of the Giants I shall, game. I shall write that on the whiteboard in the locker room. <laughs> it is 100% the Lions' fault. It's not the fault of us for, for losing seven games. No. But I but I will say. Six of our first eight. I will say. Yeah, and that's what's crazy. Six out of the first eight. And then look at the turnaround. Yeah. It, well, it, that's it, we're going to talk about that during the questions. Oh, well, that'll be fun. Because sure. so we don't want to go too far down that road. Because right. a question where we will dive into that I won't second go down half. That. I won't go down. Out. I won't go down that road at all. All right. You got anything left uh, uh, on this game? Uh, fun, exciting, action-packed. Uh, Chris. Well, Chris Godwin is now at twelve, twelve. I think something like that. Uh, he's on pace to possibly. Um, Challenge the record that Mike set last oh, year. You know what? We, we do have to say one thing. We have to talk about the one-handed grab by uh, Brashad. Yes, who was our guest last week? Yeah, and that's what happens. You come on the show, <laughs> good things happen to you. Yes. That was phenomenal. That was he had two catch. great catches. Yeah, the the, the, the touchdown catch. Uh, yeah. it was a that was also a great throw. And okay, you Dave Moore must have said something about. No, that. No, no, I even noticed that. Because okay, because I don't, I don't know what you're going to say. Well, it was a great throw because the only one, the only guy that could get okay. it there would have been, yeah, would have been Perriman. I'll he, be honest. When he the ball left his hand, I'm like, ah, yeah. it's a bad throw. But no. you're right. It was kind of well, like yeah, the one. You think I only give you what Dave says? <laughs> wow. Well, if but, he says it on the air, then well, there's running, that too. You do do that a lot. Well, I do. I do push it along. Right. It's good because he has good insights. Well, and I don't want to just take credit for it. Right. But this was stealing. you. But this was me going. That's unbelievable. Because he put it in a place where only now it wasn't easy for Brashad. No. But he gave no. him. A, he gave him a shot just like he did with Chris Godwin in the Jacksonville or Atlanta game. Either or, when you talk to Chris Godwin, it could be any game. Well, when he was just across but, the goal line, he made that one-handed grab. Oh, that would have been. I think it was Atlanta. It's funny I was because I say can Jacksonville remember. because it, it was like a. No, I think you're right. I think it was Atlanta. I can remember details from games in 1996. I know, and then I can't remember if this can't, was Atlanta. I can't or tell you what I had for lunch today, and that's two hours ago. Yes, you can. No, not really. <laughs> I had soup. You had soup. <laughs> I had soup. What kind? I don't know. It was turkey and northern bean. Actually, it was ham. They called it turkey, but it was ham. Which is funny because a few weeks ago they had a sign that said ham and northern bean, and it was actually turkey. They're I messing look, with our minds I, here. I, I looked at that, and I went, turkey's not red. <laughs> there, if it is, you didn't do it right. <laughs> if it is, I'm not eating this. <laughs> All right. Um, but, so, no, great uh, great play on on. Perriman's part, both catch. That one-handed grab is just yeah, that was nice, uh, crazy. And Carlton Davis had three more pass breakups. He's got seventeen now, which is he, tied for the NFL league. He he is he is coming into his own. If you think about the possibilities of him being a player that makes so many plays like this, and then Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy bunting, the way they've looked in recent those, weeks, those, they're coming together. Yeah, this could really work. And what's so great is. You know, they're all growing together. I don't think we need to use a first or second round pick on a corner next year. No. Uh, well, it's – no, I don't think I, – I, I agree with that. Well, all those guys will be back. We don't have to worry about any of them leaving. Um, D-line, O-line. That's mm. what I'd like to see. Yeah. O-line maybe first and then D-line. Well, all right. Lots, got it? Lots to do. But but we had to give our props to uh, – to, uh, Prashad and Carlton. Yeah, BP as they like to call it. And CD. Them. Do they call Carlton CD? I don't know. CD-33? <laughs> CD-33? Anyway, uh, we're going to go get Justin Watson and, and talk about all this great stuff that we were mentioning before in his big game. So the Salty Dogs will be back in a moment. The Salty Dogs. 
And we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast. I'm Scott Smith. And I am Jeff Ryan. And now we're joined by Justin Watson. Justin, thanks for your time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. So, Jameis was just talking, and somebody asked him about you. And he, I mean, what a weekend for you. He said he finds out on Friday he's the starting punt returner. And then from the second play of the second quarter, the way Jameis said it was he's the starting X or the starting Z or the starting F. He was doing it all. So that must have been a whirlwind for you. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great day. Um, you know, obviously everything was kind of thrown on at the last minute, yeah. but uh, something that this coaching staff has talked a lot about is you know if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Um, so all year I've just been you know waiting on the moment, and uh, you know hate to see someone get hurt, hate to see TJ go down, really hate to see Mike go down. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, BA has talked a lot about the next man up is the one who who has to come in and win the game and just try to embody that all year. You said something that struck me after the game. You said. It may not look like I've, I mean, if you look at the stat sheet, I haven't had a lot of passes from Jameis, but I've had tons of passes from Jameis on the practice field the last couple of years. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, we've definitely got our work in together. Um, so I think, you know, he's been a guy that's been a real encouragement to me um, through all of it. And uh, so I know he had a belief in me and obviously getting to catch passes from a guy like him. You know, I know his arm talent and they're excited to come in and make a play for him. How different was it to uh, do it from practice to in game? You know, it's the same reps. It's the same looks. Um, I think if you take the pressure out of it, um, you know, it, it's really all the same. So just trying to stay even keel, trying to keep that peace about you. Um, but, yeah, a lot of it's the same reps. You know, it's just going out there and doing it. You say the pressure. Were you feeling pressure? No, I really wasn't. Yeah, I like it. No, uh, yeah, they, that's what, uh, you know, before the, the game they talk about, you know, the, the peace of a, a Christian man. And I really felt it. I felt, um, you know, just an assur- assurance and a peace and uh yeah, and it carried me throughout that whole game. I like it. Mike's the X, right? Mike's the X, yeah. So did you play mostly the X after he went out, or, or like Jameis said, were you all over? We were all over. There were certain things that uh, we liked Prashad, and we had game plan for Prashad at Z. So sometimes we left him at Z. Sometimes um, we, we moved him over to X. So it really, you know, the whole game plan, when a guy like Mike goes down, uh, goes out the window, and we yeah. start, you know, moving pieces around. Do you have to know multiple jobs then? Yeah, so for me, especially last week being the, the fourth guy, yeah, um, I was right. ready in case any one of those three went down. So that's what's been nice about knowing the whole playbook um, all year is, you know, being ready for that. So are, so are you enjoying uh, punt returns? I am now, yeah. <laughs> now, now that the okay. first one went I'm going to back up. You are now. How about before? Yeah, was I – yeah, so on Friday, I thought I was just filling in. I thought TJ had to go to the bathroom, and, you know, I had no idea. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I started uh, feeling the, the heat a little bit um, leading up to the game. But after the first one, um, I, I think I felt pretty good, and, and especially once I started playing receiver and getting in the flow of the game, you know, it felt uh, like I'd done it for was, all my life. Was the first one the bouncing one? First one was the bouncing one. Okay, because I'm up in the press box watching this, and I see it going short, and my first instinct is like, get away from it, get away <laughs> from it. But I, And Coach has said, you played it perfectly. Were you were you positioning yourself if, okay, if it's a cherry hop, I'm going to take it, but if it does anything weird, I'm just going to get out of the way? Yeah, so just sitting in the special teams meetings all year and, and hearing Keith Armstrong, our okay. special teams coordinator, he always tells our returners, hey, off the first bounce, field it. If oh. it bounces the second time, get away from it. So, you know, I've just been hearing that all year. I figured I'd get in position for the first <laughs> bounce, and it ended up being a good one. Had you ever done punt return before? College, anywhere? High school? No, I, I fair caught one punt in college, <laughs> never did it, it in high school, um, and – that was it. So. Wow. So, so how were you? How were you selected to? I mean, if you've never yeah. done it before, it's like they're looking at the chart and go, "Ah, that's a good one." Yeah. How, how does it work? How did did you volunteer? I guess so. When I was, <laughs> wait a minute. Did, yeah. Oops. Is one of those every one step forward? You know, backwards. <laughs> yeah. so who's volunteered? He was volunteered. Yeah, volu- volunteered. <laughs> you know what happened? Yeah. So I think for me, um, before I got drafted by anyone, I was sitting in Cleveland with Josh Cribbs, who played quarterback yeah, in college. Course, right? You know, and ended up becoming a great returner. Yeah. And so he told me, like, as I was leaving, hey, if anyone ever asks you if you can return, just say yes. So we were, like, at the end of the preseason, you know, everyone's fighting for roster spots. And Keith asked me, hey, in a bind, could you catch punts? And I yeah. said, like, for sure, coach. You know, no problem. You know, I get it all the time. Called, I can do it for you if you need it. Um, so I started the year as our fifth punt returner. And mm-hmm. then, you know, injuries, guys getting cut. This guy um, got hurt, Vernon, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, all of a sudden I was second on the list yeah. and I started catching them every day at practice. Saw and that. then, uh, you know, TJ got hurt and then it was my time there to go. You go. So. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like job interviews. They ask you, can you do this? Even yeah. if you can't, you say yes. Yeah, and then you, sure. Can you yeah. get yeah. this figure computer out. program? Yeah, you figure out <laughs> how sure to get I it can. done. No <laughs> problem. We're there. We're there. Well, we have to talk about your first touchdown. Can you walk us Which, through that? Which you know was 17 yards, right? I thought that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I, yeah. Seven, <laughs> 17 for 17? Yeah. 
Sounds pretty good. All right. Good. Walk us through it. Yeah. Um, I came down in motion and, uh, you know, saw that the nickel moved in with me. And right off the snap, the nickel blitzed. Mm. Um, so I gave Jameis my eyes early, and, and he did a great job of seeing the whole coverage. Um, you know, after the nickel blitz, the safety flew down to take away the hot. Um, so he did a nice job. He pumped it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought I saw him get flushed a little bit. You know, there's pressure off his right side. So I turned to my left, you know, towards the outside. And kind of right at that same moment was when he put it to the inside. So I'm sure Jameis was holding his breath, but he put a great ball that I could could still get to it and kind of had to flip around. Okay, because it looked – all that, the way you described it, mm-hmm. was the way it looked with the pump fake and, and the guy blitzing, but it looked like you just kind of short-armed it and threw it a little short, and you had to go down for it, but it was more you having to turn around. Yeah, made... I think he probably saw me turning the opposite direction right as he was throwing oh, it and kind of like, like uh... trying to pull it back, <laughs> um, so it ended up working out. Yeah, you know? it did. And so now we have to get to the most important part after you catch a touchdown, and that is your celebration. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> lack thereof. <laughs> so... I heard guys are kind of giving you a hard time about this. Oh, yeah, yeah. They said, you know, you've been working on it for a year and a half, and that's what you come <laughs> up with. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I was so excited that everything went out the window, you know. Um, and especially for me, you know, I grew up, uh, Larry Fitzgerald was, was my uh, favorite receiver growing up in Pittsburgh and watching him at Pitt. And so he was always a guy that, you yeah. know, caught a ball, handed it right to the official. Yeah. And I did that in college. And, that you know, but that's not the excuse for this one. This one, I was just so excited. And I, I found the closest person to me, jumped on him. It was, you know, fist pumping. So. But we heard some intel. It's yeah, because, Casey Phillips told us yeah. that it had to do with what you're allowed to do at Penn. And Yeah, what you were permitted to do while you are in college. Oh, yeah, that's uh, so our coaches at Penn always said, you know, score a touchdown, find a fat guy, give him a hug. <laughs> that's not the way she put it. Yeah, but, I like the way he described it. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I've heard that yeah. before, but go find a line and give him a hug. Well, then it that's is your, a good idea. Yeah, and then it is your first one. And so, you know, they always say, act like you're supposed to be there. Since coach asked you, could you do punt returns? You said, yeah. So you're the kind of guy that whatever, yeah, I'm good with it. This is the way it's supposed to be. So I, I appreciate that. And yeah. Then, uh, the uh, the uh, one other really big catch for you uh, was the first down at about the three yard line when James was rolling right left. Uh, did that become a, a scramble play or or were you just in, still in your route? Can you describe that one? Yeah, that was a scramble drill. Um, you know, I, th- I thought James went down in the backfield. He you know does great jobs yeah. of uh, extending plays. Um, and then yeah, that was just trying to stay in his zone and his window. Um, you know, we've worked that drill in the past too. So he put a great ball on me and. Were able to convert. Were you trying to make sure you stayed at the sticks? I mean, did you know where the first down was? Yeah, that's what I mean, I, it was right there. Yeah, it was really close. I was, it was almost like uh, you know, you're on the sideline when it, on those first down balls where you're trying to keep your toes and, yeah. and your body. Uh, oh, so you were down. coming forward a little bit. And, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the last game, I mean, you got your first touchdown, but it was also my cause, my cleats. And so we know that, that you did it. Can you tell us a little bit about who you did it for and what you did it, what organization? Yeah, uh, so my cleats uh, represented Give Kids the World Village, um, and it's a great charity right outside of Orlando near Disney. Um, and I got hooked up with it. You know, Casey Phillips is the one who connected me, and obviously my brother um, was a Make-A-Wish child growing up, and they do a ton of great work with Make-A-Wish. So that's how I first got connected, and then this off season I went and visited, and, and really the work they do is unbelievable. Um, you know, all the money they get goes right back to the kids. Um, they put on kind of a Disney-like experience for kids with terminal illnesses that might not be able to go to the park um, and experience all that. So you know, Disney sends in actual characters. They wow. get to screen Disney movies before the release dates. Oh, um, you know, they got rides that are handicap accessible. So. You know, the amount of joy and hope you see at a place like that is astonishing for families going through what they're going through. And now with your cleats, most of the, most of the cleats go to the NFL, but your cleats are going directly to them. Is that, is that how that worked out? Yeah, so I decided um, not to auction them. We kept them, and I'm going to send them to Give Kids the World. And I don't know if they know yet, uh, but oh, they, okay. they're, they're on their way, and uh, you know what they choose to do with them, they can do with them. If someone wanted to get involved in this, did you have information on it? Yeah, I know uh, on their website, there's a ton of people that have reached out to me and, and found volunteering opportunities, and they have everything. You know, you can go there and serve ice cream um, all day long and, you know, put smiles on kids' faces, or you can work the carousel, you know, anything. Um, anything you really want to do as a kid, you can do it there. So GiveKidsTheWorld.com? Give kids the world village, I think. Give kids the world village. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Good stuff. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. Hey, we appreciate, you know, we're, we're in a victory week. So today is... 
you're kind of crazy day. You've been here yeah. since like yeah, seven o'clock, six. What time did you get here this morning? Uh, right at six thirty. Six thirty, yeah. And so, and you'll be here till about five. <sighs> yeah, that's, but that's that's a good thing. You know, it's yeah. victory Monday. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's all good. It's worth it. All right. Well, well hey, thanks for your time. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys. The Salty Dogs. And we're back one more time on the Salty Dogs podcast here in week 15. You know, you talk to guys, you see guys on the field and they play, but then when you talk to them and you find out what good people they are, just really solid people. Yeah, I mean, Justin's been around for two years, so I think we kind of already knew yeah, that. But, I mean, still, pretty strong. Yeah, we appreciate We Just as a good time to say that we've appreciated all of our guests this season. Most of them have been on Wednesdays when the schedule's a little tight. Well, it's it's been a little more difficult because you know, they get victory Monday, and yeah. Wednesday's a very, very long day. Because So what we need is for them to lose every week, oh, is what you're saying. No, I'll, I'd rather struggle trying to get them, fit them <laughs> in here. I'd do that every yes, week. It's worth it, isn't it? Yes. All right, I, know, I know it's about you, Scott, but in this particular It's always instance, about me, Jeff. But it's actually about me, but I just want everyone to know I want them to win. Go. You ready for some questions? I am. All right. Uh, dogs, how about that three-game win streak? <laughs> it's pretty nice to see a streak in the W column. After we played the Falcons, you talked about Raheem Morris and Dirk Cutter a bit. Ooh. And with Greg Shannon going back to Rutgers, mm. thankfully far away from Tampa. That's what he said. I'm just reading it. It made me curious. Excluding the current coaching staff, who has been your favorite head coach to work with and assistant coach to work with? Oh, man, that's – that's. Uh, what we should say is we've had – I mean, I think most of our head coaches have been pretty easy and enjoyable to work with. I, yes, I, all but one. Yeah. I, 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 I had some moments that weren't always fun with Sam Weich, but I was also very young then, and it's possible they were my fault. I think they were. <laughs> you weren't there. No, I was there during Sam's. Years. You weren't there when I had moments. No, but I knew you back then, I also, so that's why I know that. I was a little more hot-headed back then. No. <laughs> I also, but it's not like I was going to get hot-headed with the coach. No, no, no. You, uh, you, did you, you know I also got called into John Gruden's office and 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 uh, got reprimanded? Called, yeah, called out on the carpet one time. Well, that would you want to know why? Why? Uh, I was watch. I would write practice. Stuff after practices, right? Okay. And this is this is early when the website had been launched. This is this before really social media and things were oh, taking off. Oh, for sure. Off. But I was still putting content on the website. Mm -hmm. And uh, Derek Brooks was working through an injury that week, which he did a lot and always made it. And instead of just saying that he didn't practice, I added a little color and oh. said he was skipping rope on the back porch during uh -huh. practice, which he was. Uh -huh. Gruden, John Gruden calls me into his office and says, and he wasn't at all mean. He wasn't at all mean. It was a very common level. He said, you're telling the other team that he's going to be fine. It's like, we don't need to be giving them information that we don't have to give them. He's like, don't write stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. And uh, I was just happy that, you know, he wasn't all that mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> and everything was, that was and, 2002. That was the first and, year. And that's when, that's when football people were beginning to learn that there's other parts of the business that have grown. You think they're learning that in New England right now? Yes, they are. <laughs> and so, so, as a guy who works on the team website, yeah, yes. that frightens the the bejesus out of me. As I say, it's going to blow up. Can it's you gonna, imagine? It, it, there's you can always tell when something's going to blow. You just you can yeah, it see already it, is. and it happens. Yeah. Uh, but in fairness, when when that question, every relationship I had with a head coach was really good. Except for one. Yes, which I think we've already covered. Right. But I will say the relationships were good. We're all a little bit different. Yeah. Richard Williamson, who was a head coach for right one year. Right before my time. Was, was the first head coach yeah. that, that I covered. And he was really, he was, he was a really nice man. And he was very helpful in what I, what I was trying to accomplish That's because good. we did, uh, a radio show with him and he really never had done one before mm -hmm. but you know he, he he did the best he could underneath sam i learned a lot about football because i did his coach's show and i would also go and do a five minute feature on mondays and fridays with sam and he would have film or the mm. video on and he would show me plays cool. and say, tell me what you think happened. And I would tell him, <laughs> and he would go, no, nope. <laughs> this is what happened. And then, and that's how I learned. Cool. Um, and then Tony was uh, just absolutely terrific because Tony was very, very even no matter what happened. 
And he helped me a lot grow as an individual because of trying to stay even. Don't get too high. People who know me go, yeah, that didn't, still hasn't happened. But you know what I'm saying. And then John Gruden. John was fun. I liked John a lot. John was uh, – he just wanted to win. The atmosphere around here was fun but intense, and he didn't care. He, the guy we were talking about that is the exception here cared about what everybody was doing. And John didn't care what nope. I was doing. If he if he had to be involved, if he had to do an interview or something, he did it professionally. But otherwise, he left you alone. It, absolutely, he didn't care. He cared about football. He knew what he knew uh, when I would, every time a coach comes in, I sit down with him, explain what I need and how we need to work through it, yeah. how it's best for them. He and was terrific. Raheem Ra was fun. Ra was fun. Um, uh, then Rosciano, uh, Lovey, obviously very Lovey. professional, like very, very, very style. professional. And then Dirk, you know, a very smart guy. Mm-hmm. You you liked working with him. You just had to you had to know. The right way to ask questions. Well, and, and he, he, I was his first head coaching job in the NFL. He was a college coach. He got it. Yeah. He and he wanted to win, and and but I, but I had a good, good relationship with I him. I think he was a good coach. Yes. I, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying no. you just had to know how to ask a question. It was just, yes, it was just a little bit different. But I will say my favorite yeah. assistant was Monty Kiffin. Uh, he's on my list. Obviously, he was fun to be around. Um, I of the head coaches, even though there's so many good choices, I'd probably just go with Tony because yeah. he's such such a nice man. You didn't really ever worry that any, you know, unless you, I mean, obviously if you did something wrong, you should pay for it. But You know, it's funny. You say about Tony Dungeon being a nice man and everything. The other, a few weeks ago, I came through the building, the front of the building, and I. Did you open the door? You just Yeah. I, I, I was kind of like in, in You didn't thought, phase through, you know, no, I, Well, I did, but it was something else. But anyways, I came through the front door. And I walked past the reception desk. And I'm almost to the elevator. And someone goes, hey, Jeff. And I turn around, and it's Tony standing yeah, at the Yeah, he's here every now and then. I know. And I was like, here I walk right walk by right him, past him, and yeah. he's yelling to me. That's yeah. the kind of guy he is. Right. And I, I actually apologize. I didn't see you there. But he had a couple kids with him, so I wasn't thinking it was him. But Yeah. So, And then you, you brought up the first assistant coach. It's hard to do better than Monty Kiffin. <laughs> he was so much fun. He was a lot of fun to be around. He, he, was, he loved And Ron football. Marinelli, too. I learned a lot at the same from time. I, I learned a lot. Oh, you know what? You know, you start talking about that. Rich Bisaccia was one of my favorites. <laughs> Richie, I, gave, I told it, the story last week, right? Uh, about him yelling at you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rich Bisaccia was really, really uh, a lot of fun. In fact, as time went on and all the other coaches went away and Rich was only here, which was really good. Rich, and to this day, Rich and I still stay in touch. That's good. I started writing down some names as I was thinking of them. And it's funny because we've had a lot of really nice and or fun special teams coaches to be around. From the previous staff, my favorite guy was Nate Katzer. Oh, uh, yeah. He's he was, a great He's guy. great, yes. Uh, don't forget Joe Marciano. Oh, Joe is excellent. And then before that, George Stewart. George Stewart, yes. Remember because how I remember nice him. the guy he was, that guy was? He was also a tight ends coach, and uh, I did a thing, a weight loss thing with him, an endorsement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to that? meet the the uh, I got to meet Bill Clinton just before he was elected president because of him, because he was friends with the Clintons, mm-hmm. and they were on the at the private airport, and, and they got came to shake by. their hands. Yeah. And no, it was at the airport. We got to go over there and shake their hands, and that was interesting. Uh, and he's still coaching. George is. I didn't know that. Yeah, George. I think I want to say. Someone brought his name up. I I don't know if he's with the Chargers right now. Old special teams coaches never die. I can't. He was a player was giving him credit for helping him good. move along. Good, good. But uh, yeah, I think what happens though too is is um, depending on how the team's performing too also gives you a feel for for a coach. Um, but I, you know, you go through through the years, and for you, it's a little bit different because you worked for the team the whole time. I've only been with the team 15 years. Right. So for me, I was an outsider right. building relationships. That's the way we thought of you. Well, I, they still do. Like, oh, that's Jeff guy. Yeah. How come he, He's not an insider how, like the rest of us. How come he always gets all the scoops? He's <laughs> only been here 15 years. Continue. All right. Well, this is actually in the same email, but it's gonna. It's mostly for me. Scott, on, oh, a complete, it is. on a completely unrelated note, my wife really wants to go to St. Louis, so I'm taking her next year, which you don't hear people say a lot. My wife you is dying get, to take for me to take her on a vacation. You need to, uh, you need to take her out a little bit more. Well, they're from Nashville. Again, Nashville, St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, but you start looking around. You go, oh, what's some places in, within driving distance that we haven't been that could be? There's, Jeff, I don't know, Chicago. Maybe they've already <laughs> been to Chicago. There's some stuff worth going to St. Louis for. Memphis. That's what we're going to talk about. Memphis. Okay. See, I told you it's a, question, it's a question for me. So he's taking her next year. 
Any restaurants or sites we should see that aren't on the usual tourist circuit? Oh, God, here we go. The so pizza. I, I, oh, God. <laughs> I guess I can't say the arch, right? That's pretty dang obvious, right? You do have to do the I, I'll say you do have to do the arch. You should do the arch. You it's not to. hard. It's, it's, it's usually cool. You can find a time when there's not a long line. It's fun going up the little thing that goes Gotta up the side. It. So do it even if that's obvious. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's obvious in a lot of cities is the zoo. But St. Louis, St. Louis has a phenomenal zoo. It's probably top five in the country, and it's free. Really? Yes, it's an, an amazing zoo. Who owns it? The city? I don't know. Oh, that's pretty cool. I assume it's been free my whole life. I was back there a few years ago. Hmm. Uh, so do those things now. I can't tell from this email if they have kids. If his name is what? Sam. Sam, if you and your wife have kids, absolutely hundred percent take them to the Magic House. You will not regret it. It's it's awesome. It's this fun place where it teaches them all about science, but it's fun. Mm. There's all kinds of things you get to do. Like, this is the only one I'm thinking of right now, but you ever had one of those where you put your hand on the ball and makes your hair stand up? Yeah. That, those kind of things, but even much more involved much more. in that. Yeah, it's definitely for kids. Yeah, but it's fun to be there with your kids. Sure. No, I understand. Uh, so if you're doing that, um, I'm told, although I never did it because I moved away before I would have had interest, but there's a lot of wineries in the area mm-hmm. that are popular. Uh, the Missouri Botanical Gardens. I was there a year ago. Is the brewery still there? You can take tours since, since they since they were Anheuser Busch. Yep. You can, can still take out. tours. Okay, that's fun. Go to the M- M- Missouri Botanical Garden and go to the Butterfly House. That's pretty cool. Huh? Um, I don't really have a lot of knowledge about the restaurants there because I left when I was eighteen to go to college and have never lived there full time since. Now you did leave out. Well, finish your restaurants. Well, I mean, you said it. I mean, it, this is not gourmet food, but if. If you want to try it to find out, try the Emo's Pizza. It's not like any pizza you've had before. I think it's phenomenal. A lot of people who visit St. Louis don't like it. It's just it, kind of like Skyline Chili. Either you love it or exactly you hate it. It's exactly like Skyline Chili okay. in that most people from St. Louis, not all, most mm-hmm. people from St. Louis, St. Louis love it. Most people that go to St. Louis, the try majority to, of them don't like it. Okay. And some of them can be very Fair. rude about no, it, no. just like I'm rude about Skyline so, yeah, Chili. That, okay. There's a really good barbecue called Pappy's Barbecue, and if you want dessert, um, Ted Drew's. It's a frozen custard place. It's they, They're the first ones who would turn it over oh, before they uh, hand it to you. Just, yeah. You Make see sure. that a lot of places yeah. now. But And then the Hill is famous for all its uh, Italian restaurants. You can go riverboat gambling. I don't Italian know food is really good in St. Louis. In the, on the Hill yeah. especially. That's Very good. Yeah, and you can, there's riverboat gambling on the, on the Mississippi, so there's stuff to do. Well, and don't forget, if you go in the spring or summertime, what? A Cardinals game? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, I didn't know when they were going to be there. What did I just say? If you're Maybe there in the spring, fans. it doesn't There's matter. There's probably a lot of base Cardinal fans in Tennessee, I, actually. If it, Here's the thing. It's a nice stadium. Here's, here's the thing about there's certain place, there's certain sporting arenas that you go to, whether you're a fan or not, because it gives you the experience of. Like Wrigley Field. Like Wrigley Field, like Fenway Park, like Bush Stadium. Yeah, probably not so much because Bush Stadium is that incredible, but because of the fans. Because of how nice the fans are and how knowledgeable the fans are. And <laughs> I will, you saying it, not me. I understand that. And and if if you're not a fan of baseball, I am. But if you're not, it is it's a cool experience to go and and immerse yourself in that. And then you kind of walk away and go, now I understand why people get all involved in it. And you might become a, a fan. But I, but that would be it's a great experience. Let's just for the record state that all that came from Jeff's mouth, no, not mine. Just... Well, Jeff, the Cardinals have the reputation you said, Cardinals fans, but they also have a reputation of being very proud of themselves for what great fans they are. Well, sure, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, it's it, it's gone a little bit to the to the other direction to the point where there are people that don't like the Cardinals the way they don't like the Yankees these days. Yeah. But that's what happens. But, but we're not all like that. But that's what happens when you win. So it's a good yeah, thing to exactly. I mean, in I your mean, face. No one's worse than the Patriot fans who are booing their team at the half because they were losing. Are you kidding that me? That was really surprising. Are you kidding me? You don't even know what a, a losing streak is. You want to? You want me talk to get, about spoiled? Yeah, talk about getting my goodness. Talk about getting salty. Are you kidding me? Wow. And until then, nobody ever had anything negative to say about Patriots fans. No, no. <laughs> Jeez, I, I I saw that and I was like, damn man, you have no clue. Spoiled. You forget. Well, so a lot spoiled. of them. A lot of them forget when they were playing in Sullivan Stadium. No one was going, and they yeah. were losing all the time. Yeah. Um, so okay. as for the, if you go to a Cardinals game, they also have a like a baseball village across the street that and, I haven't been to, but I heard is amazing. And if you go in the wintertime, go see the Stanley Cup champions. Hey. Yeah, that's it. also spring too. So there is They're a lot. They're doing do. well again this year. I may have Saint to go Louis to St. Louis after all of this. Go up the arch. 
did it. Drive by Parkway South High School where I went. Where you were, where they had a sign, Salty Dog. <laughs> home of the uh, Salty Dog. the Salty Dog one. <laughs> uh, Blaine Gabbert went to Parkway North. Really? Or West. I have no idea. I think Blaine Gabbert went to you West. You could make all this up and none of us would know. Parkway School District. <laughs> I went to South. You think this is interesting? <laughs> Blaine Gabbert not. went to North. And I think Max Scherzer, we're talking about baseball, he went to Parkway West, I think. Or all North, right. one of those. Right. Okay, so... <laughs> On to the next question. Good thing I'm the guy that edits this okay, stuff. Okay, <laughs> so um, this you know the guy that writes in all the time from Brazil, uh-huh. Alexander? Sure. Um, remember last time we you said something about saying C for yes, but then realized uh, it would be Portuguese, and I said, I bet you it's a very similar word. He wrote back to, to say yes. I'm also glad to inform you that you were right twice. C in Portuguese is very similar to the Spanish form, both writing and speaking, and I'm emailing you back to let you know in Portuguese... Portuguese, we say seem. That is very similar to the Spanish C, but with an M on the end. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I figured it'd be. I mean, I think there's a lot of probably crossover between those two. I languages. like that he listens to everyone. Well, you know he does. He writes in every week. In so fact, I, I wasn't going to take his question again, but since he did that, he also asked about Ryan Griffin getting to play. I'm not going to read it verbatim. Mm-hmm. Is the longest period a player had to wait to get into official game? Oh, wow. I have no, no idea. idea. But I, I bet you it is. That's five years almost. What other situation would be like that? There would only be a quarterback. Yeah, it would have to be. To be on the roster, not just like practice squad. Yeah. He's been on the roster for five years. Oh, it would have to, The position would have, have to be. It would have to be a quarterback, and I don't think there's another instance of that. Some guy that was our backup forever but never got in. Or Who would? What would um, I think it's him. I, I didn't look it up because I don't think there's any other option. Is there a way to look it up? I don't know. It would be tough. Yeah. I'm lazy right now. Okay. I've got a lot of work to do. All right. So, um, anyway, thanks for the clarification, and I have one more question. All right. Greetings to the saltiest of dogs. That would be me. Guys, I'm going to make a prediction here and say that by the time you read my email, if you do read my email, you will have already talked about the Bucks being eliminated from the playoffs, but still wanting to finish strong to get a boost going into next year. Clairvoyant. Yeah, I guess it's pretty obvious we'd be talking about that, though. And now you're pausing to say that I was right. <laughs> I, I did read this ahead, so I knew that was going to no, happen. That is very good. Okay, so let me ask you this. Maybe we're becoming too predictable. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but maybe people like that. It's comforting. <laughs> like at some old, point, we're going to talk about an old, the, like an old shoe. At some point, we're going to talk about the 2003 Indianapolis game because we do that <laughs> freaking every podcast. Are you sure you didn't? But you didn't throw that little note in. It's the same score, Jeff. Not only that, it's the fifth time the Buccaneers have played a game that ended in 38-35. Five times. There have only been 22 of them in all of, uh, in, in NFL history, and we have five of them. <laughs> of course we do. How many did we win? Did we, we won win? three of them. Oh, that's good. So we, it started with the, uh, the, Col- the Rams game in 2000. Remember the shootout at the end of 2000? That, that was, was the fun Monday night game. Yeah, yeah with uh, Marshall Falkenwerk mm-hmm. done yep. and the King Dunn play. Yep. So that was 38-35 and a win. The next year was the Colts game, the terrible one. Mm-hmm. By the way, the athletic, the Indianapolis version – did an oral history of that game. It was very good. You read it too? Yeah. It was like 14. I, I printed it out. It was like 14 pages long, but I read I the whole thing. I didn't print it. I just went, but it was very Some good. Some of the well, things that were. Well done. Yeah, and there were even things that I'd forgotten about. Like, I forgot that there should have been a penalty on the onside kick that they got with, like, what, three minutes left? Because if you kick the ball in the air the, towards the other team, their, their players, you have to give them an opportunity to catch the ball. So that's why onside kicks are always kicked down in into the ground, the ground right. uh, to, and to get a hop, obviously. But Vinity, no, Vanderjack didn't do that. He popped it straight up, and then they caught it in the air. And there was no penalty or anything. And then the next day, the league admitted that that should have been a penalty. And, if, and we would have gotten the ball. Yes. So, or maybe they would have got to re-kick it. I'm not sure. But if they don't get that onside well, kick, you they're not going to win. Well, you would have got the ball. Yeah, because. Um, so I forgot all about that part. You know, talk about forgetting. I can't believe we forgot the two things we were supposed to do. I was supposed to go talk. I didn't to, forget. Oh, you didn't? We're no. going to save that for the end? No, I, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot to do it, <laughs> but I didn't. I forgot to bring it up now. Okay. <laughs> but I, we didn't forget to do it. All right, finish your question, then we'll go from there. Okay. So, in any case, also, before I'm done, um, the other 38, 35 games were uh, Arizona in 2010. We won. I think uh, that was Legarrette Blunt jumping over. over. People. Yeah, that's great. And then last year against the Giants, we lost. Just last year. Speak about hurdling. How about Ronald Jones jumping over that guy? Yeah, that was cool. Uh, and he wasn't even bent down. He wasn't even going for the tackle. <laughs> he was upright. Yeah. Holy Dangerous smokes. play, though. All right. Uh, so, 
Okay, so let me ask you this. Is that really a thing? Has a strong finish led to a good year the next year for the Bucks before? What's the longest winning streak we've ever finished a season on, and what happened after that? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen to your answer. That's like a radio call. Uh, Vernon from St. Pete. Uh, yeah, I because, wonder if that's Vernon Turner. Maybe he retired here. I don't know. The ninety, uh, the ninety-six season turning into the ninety-seven season. Yeah, that's the obvious one, and we've already referenced it. D- d- what I found surprising is the longest winning streak we've ever had to end a season was only three games. Wow! And it was in nineteen eighty-two, which was that strike year. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Came back, won enough to finish, like, I think, four and five, and make the playoffs or five and four. Yeah, now's the last time they were in the playoffs until ninety-seven. But nothing great happened in ninety-three. But that's kind of a weird situation. We've had a lot of very good finishes. They've been like four out of five or four out of five. Like, well, you, you brought up the 96 one. We won five of seven, then went back to the playoffs next year. In 99, we won eight of nine. Eight of nine to close of the year, but we lost to Oakland in that 45-0 game with, in the third to last game, so there was still only two wins at the end. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Next year, went 10 and six. Four and five to finish. This obviously, pretty much every dungeon year, they were great down the stretch. So good team. 96, 98, 99, 01. Uh, we were five out of seven. Changed coaches, though, but then won the Super Bowl next year. Most recently, we won five out of seven with Dirk in 16. And I think we all did feel good going forward, but it didn't happen. Only went five and 11. So there's some good examples. Most of them, the t- <laughs> here's one more I should bring up. 94, we won four of our last five under Weich, and he got to come back. And that was the first year the Glazers owned the team. And they did, they kept him for that year. And remember, we won the first we were, we were five or seven? Five dash two. Yeah. <laughs> Sam didn't like some of the criticism he was getting, so he said uh, something like yeah, five he, dash yeah, two. Yeah, you write this down, five dash two. So then after each each loss, the headline was yeah. five dash three. Yeah, because yeah, unfortunately after that, we went two dash seven. Yeah, you, can't, <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't fight a guy that buys ink by the barrel, as they used to <laughs> I say. I like that. That's good. <laughs> so I would say to you, what's Vernon, that – the majority of these situations, it has been good the next year, but it's not 100% sure. And that's why we haven't said that. We said we would feel better. It's no guarantee, but we'd feel better if it ended I, strong. I, the only reason why I would feel, I feel better about it, it, it's interesting because we had this discussion at lunch. The reason why I'm so optimistic more than I have been before is, I believe, because of the young players coming together. Okay. And especially I, on defense. Especially on defense. And I think if you look back at those games, and, and if even if you if you take the Jameis uh, issue, or I don't want to call it the issue situation, the Jameis situation out of the equation, defensively you could still win games because you were in it because you're scoring enough points. Even with turnovers, you're still throwing a lot of points on the board. But I feel good because of the young guys. But I also feel really good because I really like how this coaching staff – they still talk about how to be teachers, that they're here to teach guys how to play. Hmm. And I like that. I feel like a lot of coaches have said that here. Well, and those successful ones did say that. They all say it, and some of them are good at it. Some are good at it, and some aren't. Yes, Tony's staff was very good at it. And I believe at this, this stage, I, I, I have that. And I could be proven no, wrong. No, I, I like it. But I'm, I, I really do. I believe that. But you did say take the Jameis situation out of it, and we can't. Cause well, even well, no, what I'm saying is you leave the Jameis situation in it, and I still think you win games. Yeah, I'm just saying it's hard to know exactly what the structure of this team is going to be next oh, year. Oh, well, yeah. If you don't know the quarterback answer yet. As they say in the military, that is above my pay grade. <laughs> All right, so the two things. We each gave each other an assignment at the end of last year's, at last week's podcast. <laughs> last year's, it just felt that way. So I, you brought up uh, the, or maybe I brought up the Simeon Rice contract in, nine, in 2001, uh, Monty Kiffin, I was telling the story about how he was selling him on he's the last piece of the puzzle, and you said that he bet on himself, like Shaq. You were comparing him to Shaq by taking a one-year, $1 million deal. deal. And I did not remember that being the case. And so my assignment was to go look it up, which didn't take very long, thanks to the wonders of the Internet. And I'll have to say that while you weren't exactly right, I think you had the right is the gist of the situation because he actually got, and I don't remember the numbers, but I emailed it to you, a five-year deal for like $30 million or something like 34 that. $34 million. $34 million. But the first year only was $1 million, and Every, you could get out of it after that. Everything was backloaded. It was backloaded. So if it hadn't gone well, it might have indeed been a one-year, $1 million contract. Of course, it went great. And it was worth paying every cent to for the rest of that contract. Right. And my assignment was 
Jameis Winston stepping back or moving forward. Yeah. You want to explain that? Well, you can explain it because you're better at explaining that stuff. At the end of the Jacksonville game, which is the second of three in a row where we've got the victory formation this thing out, which is, which is nice, right? At the end of the Jacksonville game, we got the ball back and uh, had to kill about an, a minute 40. And so that was three kneel downs for Jameis. And uh, I had noticed in the play-by-play that all of the kneel downs said Jameis Winston kneels for zero yards. And generally, if you're watching football, you know a kneel down usually costs you a yard or two. Sometimes in college, they step back a bit and lose two or three yards. So I was wondering, how did we get these kneel downs for no yards? And then you brought it up having seen it, seen him do that. So my assignment to you was to ask Jameis if he did that on purpose. And he said, yes, he did. (laughs) First of all, I have to explain, I came up to him in the locker room and he looked at me and he was kind of like, now what are you up to? And I said, uh, said, inquiring minds want to know. And he thought it was funny. He finds it interesting that we come up with these really unusual questions for him. But that was done on purpose to to keep it. To not lose yards. But what's interesting and I thought I looked at it. He lost yards in the kneel downs this last Well, game. I think the one of them was certainly because he was trying to wait for a few more seconds to kneel down. Uh, so he didn't kneel down right away, and he backed up a little bit. And then they, as you would as a defense, go, well, if he's not going to kneel down, we're going to come gonna... after him. And then he had to back up a little bit and kneel down. But So you can't always do it. No. But he, in the Jacksonville game he is cognizant of doing it. It was a 17-point lead, so even if something disastrous happens, you fumble because you're stepping forward in the sh- into the muck, it's probably not the end of the world. But that's fun. Those were So we, we how did we do on our assignments? I'll give you an A. I give you an A. Oh, you great. Know. I mean, you really did go to I, I'll have to say it wasn't even 10 minutes after we did the podcast. <laughs> Why wait? I, I look, I saw Scott Smith, and yeah, I was I was surprised because I, I don't know why I, re, I, I don't know why I was re- thinking well, you I, like I said, you had the gist of it, right? Yeah, but why would I remember that? I, I guess because I like people who bet on themselves. Yeah, like Shaq. Yeah. So. Shaq bet on himself and won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know to the tune of what yet. Right now he's at 15. I know. If one. I think it's pretty cool, 99. Warren Sapp says break the damn record. Break yeah, it. and he wants to be here when it happens, yeah. but it could happen this week in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I doubt he's coming up to Detroit. Well, maybe he maybe gets a tie. And then breaks it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. He, he he's he's at fifteen. The record sixteen point five. There was also a fifteen point five season for Sim. I think in 03. so he's third at the moment, tied for third. So uh, he's in pretty good company. Yeah, you know it's not every day that one of your main franchise records falls. It happened last year when Mike Evans broke Mark Carrier's very old record for receiving yards, and uh, now this one might go too. I like it. All right. All right, very good. We'll come up with your questions next time, and uh, since you did. Thanks for listening.